0: This is the Serial and Midnight Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Serial and Midnight Podcast. My name is Heath Holland, and this week I'm talking to the people behind a new documentary called Only in Theaters, which focuses on the Limley Theater chain, specifically Gregory Limley, the subject of the documentary and the president of the Limley Theater chain. Uh, The film is directed by Raphael Sparge. Talking to him and to Gregory about the importance of independent theaters, about the Limley family. Now, you know, if you're keen eyed, uh, keen, keen serial at midnight followers know that I just talked to Antonia Carlotta uh, a few weeks ago, who is also a member of the Limley family. Movies run in the blood of the Limleys. And it was such an honor and a privilege to be able to talk to Gregory about. uh, Basically, about running an independent theater chain, guys. There's so much here. The documentary, I, I try my best not to spoil the narrative of this documentary through this interview. It's hard to talk about it without there being any spoilers. Now, you might be like, it's a documentary. How do you spoil a documentary? Well, there is a story here. Uh, It is the story of the struggles to run an independent theater chain in the time of mega blockbusters in the time when interest in independent cinema seems to be on the decline among the mainstream uh, when streaming is a threat when uh, again when the big blockbuster movies are a threat and then the pandemic also plays a role in this movie. Uh, That's all I'm going to say but it's a call to action to support the arts, to support independent theaters. If you're in California and you're near a Limley, you're gonna want to go check out one of the, a movie at you know a bunch of movies at a Limley theater. Uh, but this was a really interesting opportunity. A really see, uh, I'm grateful that Kino Lorber. So this is the movie's playing all over the country in independent theaters, but there's also a DVD. So if you can't get to an independent theater or you don't have one, Kino Lover has released a DVD, and that is what opened the door for this interview. And it's a great DVD. I've reviewed this. There's a review for this at at SerialAtMidnight.com. It's on Letterboxd. It's at uh, uh, the Critics section of IMDb. There's uh, the, the, the film itself, and then Lengthy. Uh, uh, lengthy special features there are extended interviews with uh, Ava DuVernay with Cameron Crowe with Leonard, Leonard Maltin many people talking about their love for the theater itself as streaming uh, has in- streaming has entered the chat uh, with everything that's going on in the world right now it's more important than ever to have that communal cinematic experience and uh, is it in danger I don't know that's the question that this documentary uh, that's one of the things, this documentary is about so much that's one of the things this documentary seeks to uh, to talk about. So uh, I'm just going to cut to this interview. I'm so grateful to be able to talk to Raphael Sparge uh, who you know from so many appearances, Longmire, uh, Once Upon a Time. Uh, we talked about Lottery Amanda Reyes talked about Lottery in her last appearance and we're going to talk about Lottery here and, uh, and Gregory Limley uh, getting the inside scoop from someone that's been running a theater chain for a long time. This is a fascinating conversation. I hope you enjoy it. So Amanda Reyes is a super TV fanatic, and she, I, I was talking to her about kind of what's happening right now in the industry, and she brought up lottery from 1983 into 1984. You were on that show. You did a spot on that show. I just wanted to ask you about that. Like, do you remember? Because here's the thing. That show only survives now. Like, it's it's like dropped off the face of the earth, and it people have uploaded it to YouTube, but it's in German. We don't even have them in English my god (laughs) do you remember? like do you remember being on that show
1: i do yeah it was really a long time ago it was like probably 1984 or something like that um it's it's so funny it's so random i mean look i've been blessed with an amazing career and and i have all sorts of i had the weirdest thing last night i went to see uh mostly mozart at lincoln center and and i you know we I, i got a friend in an extra seat. We were in, the, like, in the second row center, and there was an amazing orchestra. At the very end, we're all after people left the stage. The, the one of the bassists turns to me and says, "Longmire." Yeah, <laughs> I did a bunch of episodes of Longmire. I was like, "Yeah, how random!" So I, I, I get sort of. Uh, it's funny having done this in front of the camera for so long. I, I it comes out of nowhere. But lottery, Longmire, th- these are all sort of shows that. Uh, that that uh it's funny that they come back around, but I'm happy they make people happy. <laughs> What's the
0: thing you get the most? What's what do you recognize for the most?
1: These days probably once upon a time. Um yeah. and- you did the
0: most uh appearances on that, didn't
2: you?
1: Yeah, I mean I was a, it was a huge hit series for six years, and and I was on a not every year, but uh, I was a regular yeah. for a bit and then an irregular, but um um uh yeah and then uh, i mean and then just sort of oh you're you look like that guy you know
2: like who are you you know like, i you how do, did i go to school with you you know that kind of thing but um, it speaks to the power of physical media that this stuff you know sometimes just kind of disappears
0: so yeah. the guy with the theater chain hey, well, how do you feel how do you feel about physical media
2: uh, look I, Yes, I run a movie theater, but obviously I also care about the, the art form, I guess. And, um, you know, that, that that things just can disappear in this digital, I mean, at any age, obviously, even, you know, movies from earlier in the, you know, the early days of cinema are gone. We know about that and stuff can deteriorate, but here's a you know television show <laughs> from the eighties. And, you know, it may not exist. Yeah, at some level.
0: How I'm curious, Raphael, how did you go? Like, what got you interested in this story? What was the story? What brought you to this in the first place? Because the narrative kind of where we start and where it goes, I I, I wonder, like, what was the thread you were pulling at when you started the process?
1: I, I guess I have a standard answer for this, but I'm going to answer this in an unstandard way, is that the other day I got an email from a dear friend of mine who's a filmmaker and she wrote me and said, thank you for making such an important film and clearly you had no idea what you were doing when you started in terms of where it was going to go with the story and thank you for sticking with it because it's such an important story. And, and I and I love that because she understands as a filmmaker there was a sort of a, there is you know, there's two kinds of there's two kinds of. Um, Ira Deutschman said this in that Q and A, Greg. You know, there's two kinds of docs. There's the kind of doc where you know what you're doing, and you go out and you do that. Uh, there's the other kind where you kind of uh, let it happen, and 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 this is far more dangerous. Um, and and absolutely, I, 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 even beyond any of our wildest imaginings, the way. You know, life changing, you know, world changing world events basically sort of interceded uh, with the story and, and I, um, you know, to me, the, the appeal was always the family, the family, the family business, the family, the family, the family is what I kept saying to myself and, th- and that was kind of the through line that that's what that's what touched my heart that's what brought me in um i have also an immigrant family uh, business in you know my my father's family were ukrainian jews that came here and started a Shmata business in, in new york you know a, a linen business in, in the garment district and and there was something um familiar and and made me feel at home uh with the, this family and, and that was always um um, how, how I continue to sort of thread the needle, you know, as, as we went through so much, we shot this over two and a half years, you know, and, and, and and you know, to Greg's credit, Greg and the family had no editorial control in this, in the making of this, uh, in, in, in point, in fact, actually, Greg made a very concerted point of saying that he didn't want to see the film until he saw it along with an audience for the first time. Um, uh, this was really... He, you know, he was open to this endeavor. Uh, n- you know, uh, a- a- you know, come with me, as it were. Um, uh, you know, I'm certain it was very uncomfortable to see it the first time, first ten times. Um, and i I, I know because we've spoken about it. There are things in it that are that are difficult, um, but but that Greg, you know, understands within the context of this anyway. That it, that the telling of this story about this family then ultimately. You know, my hope, and it seems to have translated, is that it tells a story about so many other families, whether they be in the movie business or outside of the movie business, um, and and that it also backed into sort of a larger zeitgeist of what's going on. But we read newspapers, um, headlines about any number of current hot topics, as it were, certainly in the entertainment industry, but through the, through the vantage of a family and the effect of this family, this, this very remarkable Hollywood family, because of their relationship to Hollywood, you know, over a century. um, uh, The hope was to be able to kind of tell a personal story about what we now know is a very public and and complicated social issue, which is, you know, the, the future of media, the future of movie theaters and, 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 and and then the challenges the family businesses face.
0: Well, Greg, I, I'm curious, as someone who has movies in their blood and, you know, you have, you know, a, a responsibility to the cinema screen. How does it feel to you when this when you are approached about this and you realize you're going to be on the other side of it? Like, What made you say yes, I guess, is what I'm curious about.
2: Well, I, I said yes, because I had seen Raphael's previous films. Uh, he would appear in one of them. Um, and, and I sensed that he was somebody who um, had a, a, an appreciation for the history of the city of Los Angeles and what are the things that make Los Angeles unique, what are the things that make, you know, our cities unique. Um, so uh, for me, when we started, certainly having no idea where things were going to go, but um, that that was really, you know, at, at some level, the, the kernel of the story, was, it was about, um you know, finding appreciation for our local institutions and understanding where they've come from and, and, and how precious they are and, and how quickly they can, you know, how without care or nurturing, things can disappear. Um, you know, talking, I mean, LA Foodways about the history of agricultural production in Los Angeles and, and you know, and how that relates to food deserts that we now have in our inner cities and, 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 and efforts, you know, that people were making to, you know, to, to bring some of that back. So, um, you know, for me, that was where I thought the story might be and and why Raphael was, you know, uh, the appropriate person to tell that story. Um, You know, that said, it was not my choice. (laughs) Many filmmakers have come and said, you know, somebody should make a movie about Lemley Theaters. Raphael was the first person that walked in and said, I want to make the movie about, you know, let me make, will you let me make the movie, a documentary about Lemley Theaters? Um, And in this case, yeah, I felt... uh, You know, like saying yes, because it was a story that uh, I didn't necessarily know how, you know, meaningful the story might end up being, but it was something that I wanted to see documented, you know, very more specifically, perhaps in the sense of the relationship of of cities and the institutions that make up the city, Um, that it became a more meta story as, uh, you know, just where -hmm. we
0: ended up going. I want to talk about the meta story too, but I also want to establish for our, for whoever's listening to this or watching this, the importance of the Limley theaters. I'm in a place in the country that does not have anything remotely close to what you have built and and what you curate. Uh, For me going to the movies is going to a multiplex with 18 screens or whatever. They do not show, they they'll show this is frustrating for me and maybe you can speak to it but they'll show an independent movie one showing it's usually thursday night at 7 p.m and it's almost like it's an obligation that's the only time they show it and then friday of course it's the big blockbuster for anybody that's in the country or in the world that's watching this and they're like well what's the big deal about an independent theater that should like why should i care about any of this could you speak just a little bit to that
2: well, I think you care about an independent theater the same way you care about an independent bookstore or, you know, a local restaurant that, um, you know, provides, you know, great food and, food and a different experience. I mean, you know, yeah. Are you getting the same meal at Applebee's? I mean, no, you can get food, you can get some kind of nourishment, but you're ultimately not getting the same thing. And 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 I get it. Look, there are a lot of parts of this country that don't have uh, you know, independent movie theaters, but there are plenty that do. And, and in some cases there is a, you know, interesting and growing trend towards people reclaiming a movie theater in their community and, and you know, creating a community-based um, exhibition place, space. Um, you know, not like Lemley Theaters, it's not a for-profit business necessarily, but still that, the, you know, that that we want these kinds of places to exist. Uh, Because, yeah, if we are reliant on, you know, what the, you know, commercial multiplex is going to do, it's going to be limited. Um, And it's going to be very limited in many cases. Um, But even in that environment, you can get people, I mean, we have, uh, you know, one of our screenings of only in theaters was at the South Bay Film Society, uh, which is you know, at a local AMC uh, 20plex in, in Rolling Hills, you know, in the South Bay of, of, uh, of Los Angeles. And there's one individual who, you know, makes an effort to bring a film uh, a month, I think, or a film a week, whatever, and, and show an art film. And he's cultivated an audience and two or 300 people show up to see these movies. But, you know, it, it requires, you know, uh, a lot of dedication on the part of that one person to make these kinds of things happen. But uh, I guess if the film can inspire more people to take on that role, uh, to create exhibition opportunities, however they might come together, um, you know, your community will be richer for that uh, because people will come together. They will, you know, uh, they'll have an experience. It's beyond just being able to see the movie, you know, on their couch. Um, you know, that is something that exists and that allows people to live wherever they want to live and they can have access to As many films as, you know, someone who haunts, you know, the downtown art houses of of Manhattan can see, but they can't see it in the same environment and, and, you know, and their community will reflect that.
1: And and, and Heath, you know, um, I know you said you're in Alabama and, and I'm in New York and, you know, I am aware of the fact that some people listening to this might not know Lemley Theaters, might not, you know, ever, you know been to Los Angeles for that matter, or even have a desire to, um, the, but the fact is, and the hope was that we could tell a story in the specific that became the universal. And in point in fact, actually, we, we, um, we're now, you know, just been released by, with Kina Lober on DVD, which we're very excited about. And there's lots of extras on it. And and um, this release is um, a wonderful culmination. Uh, after the fact that we played 80 theaters, um, we, we were- Including Birmingham. Um, Birmingham. <laughs> right. There you go. That's right. Um and and we um, you know, in the course of that, in the in the various venues, in the various cities and small towns that we played in and internationally, what I was delighted at is was that even if people had never heard of Lemley, um, they spoke very personally about the theater that most closely resembled the Lumley Theater in their neighborhood. Now, in, in your case, you know, of course, you've got the multiplex, but in many towns, there are still, a, 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 you know, local theaters or local art house theaters, um, and, and they carry a great emotional uh, weight for people in those communities. And in by and large, um, they've been struggling and or, you know, been dealing with a lot of downward pressure. So, so. The hope, um, and, and while it, it it wasn't wouldn't have been easy for any of us to follow, been followed around with a camera for a couple of years, <laughs> particularly over the past few years. Um, in the 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 good news about the 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 toughness of the story, hopefully, is that it becomes um, uh, illustrative of what other people have really gone through, and or what the mission is to sort of continue to sort of want to fight for keeping theaters alive. What they bring, um, I don't care how big your television is. The fact is that you know being in uh, in a movie theater is a is a special experience. It's a movie experience. It's real estate dedicated to a socialized you know opportunity to have the the emotion of the of the story uh, amplified. By by the crowd, uh, you know, by by uh, by the gathering, um, and also by the fact is that there's no interruptions. The fact that you're in this space with a large screen, all of these things are part of that experience. And as we see, of course, now people are coming back this weekend and, and last weekend um, uh, to the Barbenheimer, you know, moment. Um, People do love going to the movies. Um, part of this is about trying to remind them about what, what a wonderful thing it is, because I think we've sort of fallen out of the habit.
0: I don't want to spoil the narrative for anybody. I want people to go watch the documentary. By the way, the documentary is linked in the description of wherever you're listening to this or watching this. Um, but it is important uh, to, to promote the arts. And I, I hear a lot people say, movies aren't art. I'm getting pushed back on that more and more and more. People say movies aren't art, which boggles my mind because of course they're art. Could you speak to that? Both of you, I would like both of you to speak to that because it's something I'm pushing back against pretty much every day is that it's not a product. I mean, it is a product, but it's art.
1: Well, um, you know, let the artist go first. (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's one of those ones. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, the Virginia Woolf quote. How can I explain it to you if you don't know what I mean? If someone has that feeling, I can't, I can't, I can't shake it from them because it's just so it's so, such an abstract thought to me. Um, but, uh, it, you know, um, even commercials on television, you know, uh, require a, a, an, eleva- an elevated sense of uh, artistry in that you have to tell something in 30 seconds. Now, yeah, maybe you're selling a pizza, but but the fact is that there's a lot of skill in that and the skill. Um, just like the carpenter who made your shelf behind you, you know, you have to, someone has to know how to be able to sort of create form and function to be able to sort of bring them together to do something very efficiently. And there's an artistry in that. that's just, that's just the way it is. Um, I, I could go on, but I, I think I'll leave it at that. Go ahead. Take it, Chris.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I look, there is a commercial element to do movies, um, because typically they are, sold as a product uh you know whether it's at the movie theater or or buying a dvd or or you know in some other way but uh you know you could say that about so many other. i mean you know theater um opera you know so many other things that you know are considered art or i would think other people would consider art also either started that way or or combine those elements um so within the most commercial film you're going to find moments of of Artistic expression, um, and and obviously within within art house cinema, I guess you know even if they are more clearly trying to make an artistic statement, uh, you know they're still having to address you know certain commercial realities, and and in some level that's why I like to plant a flag for commercial art house exhibition rather than you know the non for profit model. Um, because it really does force us to confront our audiences. You know, we need to meet the audience where they are. We also need to make an effort to bring the audience to, you know, things that may not seem so immediately commercial, and 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 try and help them find those things. Um, you know, and it's just and it serves as this giant chain. I mean, this past weekend, you can't talk about Barbie and Oppenheimer without looking at the indie roots of the of the filmmakers that are involved there. Um, And in some respects, what makes those, you know, the commercial success of those films so, um, you know, noticeable is, is that they also are, you know, both films very much represent a personal statement about our world. Yeah.
0: The thing that I love about, one of the many things that I love about the movie is that it captures a changing culture at the exact moment of transformation. And it's, it couldn't have been planned. You know, it's just one of those things that, Everything lined up in kind of an unfortunate way because we're talking about the pandemic, but it allowed this incredible narrative to emerge about, you know, there's a shift at the beginning of the movie. The conversation is one thing, and then it turns into something else. And we're watching this evolution. And again, I don't necessarily want to spoil this for the viewer that still hasn't seen the documentary, but, um, that is what happens is, is we see the toll of the pandemic and we're already worried about you, Greg, like we're already concerned about, you know, how you're feeling, what's going on. And then it just goes to another level. Um, Raphael, could you speak just a little bit about when this started to happen, you're starting to see the changes where you're coming at it from, uh, you know, from a filmmaking perspective, from a narrative perspective, what, like, just talk to me a little bit about that.
1: I came to this and, and sort of inserted myself into the movie in a small way as a representative of many filmmakers who told the story, told me their story of having reached out to Lemley Theaters and having, uh, you know, been um, somehow touched or affected, or that the course of their life had been somewhat altered by virtue of the opportunity to meet a theater owner who would then actually be willing and and accessible in a way. Greg um, doesn't give it away. However, at the same time, there's a sense of of there being a, a real um, uh, support, you know, like, hey, um, how can we help? And Ava DuVernay told this story um, and 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 on and on. A friend of mine got an Oscar, he said, because he qualified at one of the theaters and et cetera. I mean, there's so many stories, but this theater... In this very specific world, which is Los Angeles and Hollywood, and the center of the film industry for all intents and purposes, um, uh, has had this sort of profound—it's uh, uh, sort of a transmission point for so many and so many uh, uh, <laughs> filmmakers for decades. Why they got the French Legion of Honor, for example, from the French government for their support of of of, of French, you know, uh, French New Wave, and and on and on and on. Um, that. All of that was an interesting story. Um, what then happened were a series of sort of things where, you know, as we follow it, um, like a, wait, what kind of moments, you know, that then, wait, what? And 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 I, as a filmmaker, then was given this opportunity to sort of say, well, do I go left or do I go right? In other words, do I say, I don't know, I want to tell this story. What happened to me, and, and with the, the love and respect, in this case, of, of my incredible crew, who then decided to say, okay, we see that this is an important story. Many of them said, okay, I'm going to continue working on this. Um, I had to raise some money. I had to put some of my own money into this, um, uh, and, and we scrambled to try and keep up with then the story that was literally playing out in real time. We are in some extraordinary circumstances, literally in the room where it happened. Um, and and uh, the, it's sort of incredible that we were. again, that's that's because of Greg's giving us uh, su- such an, uh, Commitment to really sort of tell a truthful story. Clearly, Greg has shown a gajillion documentaries. Knows what a good doc makes a good documentary, and part of that is, you know, truth and and in, and you know, a human story. Uh, Greg brought that um, as well as in a lot of access. What what we ultimately did was um, follow follow the story, and I didn't know what the ending was going to be. Um, we didn't really have a clear picture, and. And while uh, yes, over the two and a half years that we covered, we sort of followed the story. The pandemic happened. The pandemic is a is an important part, but it's about six minutes of the movie. At the end of the day, it it is uh, it is an element in a in a much larger story. And and I, I I you know I can even say while the pandemic was obviously beyond words devastating. Uh, and loss of life and everything in the course of the story, it's also somewhat of a somewhat of a metaphor as well for for you know some of the challenges.
2: We're, we're in a you know we're we're still in a process of getting an audience back, and you know and and I can argue that a significant percentage of the movie going audience is back, um, uh, not a hundred percent, and you know certainly not a hundred percent of the art house audience. But um, look, it took you know ten years for my family to you know from the advent of television to uh you know when we went from six screens to one uh it took 10 plus years for us to start expanding again um you know sometimes it you know you know these cataclysmic events have a long tail and uh you know the expectation that you know just because the forest fire is over that the forest comes back is that that's not how it works you know it takes time for a forest to grow back it goes through various stages of regrowth um you know, it's going to take time for us to rebuild our business, and and we're, you know, still understanding and learning what the what those processes are going to look like. But you know, I for one believe that having experimented with this concept of, you know, uh, immediately bringing you know movies, um, you know, out on streaming platforms, uh, you know, we've seen that at least economically that doesn't work. I I would argue that aesthetically it doesn't work at all, and, and that you know. We're proving right now that people want to see movies in movie theaters. Um, We just need to rebuild it.
0: For both of you, from your different perspectives, how does streaming coexist? Because it's not going to go away. How does it coexist with the theatrical model?
2: Well, look, we've been living with ancillary access to movies for 60, 70 years now. Um, You know, is streaming different than TV, certainly. is it different than you know VHS and DVD and cable? Yes, I get that it's different. But um, you know, that people can see movies in some place other than the movie theater. That's not new. Um, it's not new at all. Um, I think what's new about streaming is you know the uh, <laughs> well, look, there's an economic reality that subscription is different from transactional um and you know part of the reason we're also going through the strike right now is that the studios are unsure perhaps what the economic repercussions are of this of this system that they're now you know committed to and, and you know can it provide the revenue that they need and, and certainly can it provide the revenue and the and the reporting that is required for the the, the talent that creates these kinds of things um So that how do you calculate residuals when, you know, there's no way to um, reap economic, direct economic benefit from something that is, you know, hyper successful, uh, as opposed to something that is just, you know, there and created. Um, And, you know, we're going to be digging this stuff apart for a long time
1: and and just to piggyback on that I mean one of the things I I think you know as far I mean yeah is not going to go away um and uh nor is AI just to go with a buzzword of the moment um uh but but it's how how it basically gets incorporated I mean as far as streaming is concerned one of the things there was a grand experiment that that happened obviously uh that directly impacted movie theaters during the during the shutdown which was day and day where you know movies were released on the same day online and in the theaters at and I, you know, it, it wiped out, I would say, billions of dollars um, uh, in revenue um, by virtue of uh, clearly there were audiences who were going to, to theaters. But, but if they knew that it was available online, then they So finally, the studios have come to their senses, senses except for one, um, uh, which I, I don't have to poke. Poke the eye, all sort of—it's obvious what it is. But the, realize what a stupid thing that they did, and that they're actually going to now give um, longer windows to movies and theaters because it actually helps them on streaming. It actually helps them on the other side. So that's a sort of a sheer economic kind of uh, benefit here, um, and it's not either or. And and again, this. This is not a streaming conversation as it relates to you know why people aren't going to movies. I mean, part of this pandemic, part of it is you know social media, part of it is video games. There's a whole bunch of things, um, but but the, there are there are the, the things the thing that many of us who love going to the movies are concerned about is not. That movies will go away per se. Um, Clearly Spider-Man, some new Spider-Man will come out and bring in a lot of money um, and a lot of people in the box office, uh, a lot of box office dollars. But the the concern for us as independent filmmakers is um, the smaller movies. How do the smaller movies get seen? How do we bubble up? How do we find a way to kind of actually get seen? How do we, you know, like, you know, a filmmaker friend who says, hey, my movie's on Netflix. Well, good luck finding it. You know, if the algorithm, if you're not watching this kind of movies, you know, um, Netflix is not going to serve it to you. Um, and in addition to that, you know, um, <laughs> it's just another log on a trash heap at some point. There's just so much. So, so actually having a movie in a movie theater, creating word of mouth maybe maybe getting a review which is also hard and another issue which we won't get to um uh, being able to sort of create kind of a social media buzz i've got other friends who've got movies in theaters right now they're killing themselves to kind of get people in and and obviously do that but what option do you have it sits on a hard drive or 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 in this case you know maybe it never gets seen or it does get absorbed onto a streaming outlet but then Again, no one can find it. So theaters are such an important part of the ecosystem of how filmmakers find their way. And and, and there's not a single, I don't care how, you know, how, how big, you know, any filmmaker, there's not a filmmaker that I've met at this point who says that they don't want to see their movie in a movie theater. You know, because honestly, you know, that's the art form that that's this 125 year old art form that's really all about a larger screen and 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 this kind of gathering together in real time to share it.
0: It's a great call to action. Let's end with a call to action. I mean, What do we want people to do? We want them to check out the documentary first and foremost. And the DVD is great. I want to highly praise the DVD because I love all those the longer form uncut interviews that are included as special features on the disc. What else can people do? I'll go back to the theater, right? Support independent voices, support smaller businesses. Yeah, going to see a movie would be a really good
2: start. <laughs> and, and you know, and, and ideally going to see something that, um, you know, is not necessarily the blockbuster film. Um, but if you are going to the movies, you know, make sure to invite a friend, uh, get people back. I mean, look, smaller films, Worked in many cases because um, of in theater marketing and things where the the playing ground was a little level. You saw, you went to a movie, you saw a trailer, you saw a poster, you saw a flyer, you saw a postcard, you know, you saw someone in the lobby who was coming out of another film and and you heard about it. Um, These are the ways in which quality independent films could sort of, they're never going to level the playing field, but they could compete on quality and, and those kinds of aspects. When they couldn't compete with advertising, and um, you know that's the the system, the ecosystem that needs to be rebuilt. You know, we were closed for thirteen months. Uh, you know, we've severed that relationship. Every it, you know, getting every person back is what's required, um, and getting them back, you know, potentially being regular moviegoers. But um, you know. My sister-in-law saw the film, and and she was inspired. You know, she, and during the pandemic, she had started hiking with a group of friends, and they would regularly meet outdoors to go hiking because it was safe. And they all looked at each other and said, "You know, we want to keep hiking, but we can also go to a movie once a week." <laughs> um, and it's those kinds of things that you know are going to make a difference. Um, you know, I keep coming back to the idea of of, of your community and your city, and it's going to make a difference for your community and your city um if you can support um independent voices, you know, ideally locally sourced or locally owned voices, um, you know, and, and your 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 town is gonna be different and arguably better.
1: 100%. and and I'll you know and I'll talk about a couple other things which is just that have to do with you know here we are now at a point in in humanity where we see a huge incidence of chronic loneliness and depression and anxiety and and um lack of socialization it seems to be key to that um, we technology has given us the opportunity to be completely alone with the fantasy of actually sort of interacting with our all of our Thousand friends on Facebook, and and in point, in fact, actually, we're just sitting alone, um, finding places where we can socialize, where we can actually, uh, even even if you come into a you know a theater, uh, you know the, the the lovely expression, you come in as strangers and you leave as friends, right? So there's this there's a sense of kind of being in a, in a crowd around other humans. We are social animals and and that's important Um, and, and, you know, again, we're fighting for that. Um, We're we're fighting for the, the, the the art form. Now, for your friends who don't believe it's an art form, I, you know, I, uh, that ship sailed. I can't help you there, but, but um, for, for those who understand that there is some art involved, um, you know, the future of the art form is is at risk, and, and, and I say this now as a union member because I'm you know, obviously I'm on picket lines now, you know, fighting um, for, you know, not just audiences, but in this case, um, you know, so-called studios to understand the human element um, in the in the making of these things and and what's involved and and how we need to be able to actually survive to do it. Um, the idea that we would be somehow scanned and, and then, you know, give a one-time remuneration and then, you know, basically, you know, give away our control and, and our image could sort of, our image and voice can appear anywhere. It, it's, it's, uh, it's beyond imagining uh, that it that could even be sort of suggested. Um, we, are, we are looking for ways to um, uh, come back to something that, that is, you know, like gathering around a, a campfire. Really, it's it, it's as it's as it's as simple and as sort of kind of uh, elemental as that, and and that's what that's what going to the movies is, um, and and I, and you know, for those for those folks who also understand what family businesses mean and how special that is and how remarkable that is and what a what a very particular tangible and uh, important. Um, to be honored and that's what we reference in the film the last family farms or the last bookstores these things have uh they're sacred places and and um that they should be honored and and we need to just be reminded uh uh you know that you know movies are only in theaters because they um that's where you should see them
0: (laughs) that's a great place for us to to wind it down and leave it is there anything that i that you wanted to talk about that I didn't bring up or that we should have covered that we didn't?
1: The only thing I could say basically is just, you know, I can do my, you know, if people are interested in finding more, we do have screenings and there will be additional screenings. I'm sure at some point they can find us on our website, which is onlyintheaters.com. Um, there's also a newsletter uh, and there's also, uh, we're on social media. Um, there's, a you know, uh, there are other ways to find us um, uh, and, and I hope um, people can sort of, you know, reach out there.
0: As well. Thank you guys. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you being here. The documentary is wonderful. We want as many people to check it out as they can. Go to the theater, go to the Limley, support local, support independence. Uh, that's the message. You gentlemen, thank you so much. This was a pleasure. Thanks thank for
2: having us. Thank you.
0: I want to thank both Raphael and Greg one more time because this was. Uh, very, very cool of them to come and talk to me and to be so open and so candid with their interviews. There's a lot of things here, you know, a lot of things that they answered, a lot of uh sound bites that I could pull here and I probably will and post those on their own because well I mean there's conversation about the importance of independent theaters, about what's happening right now in movies, specifically the streaming conversation and the idea that by putting You know these mega million dollar blockbusters or they're not blockbusters because they're not making their money back that's part of the problem these would be blockbusters these franchise tentpole movies that are costing 200 300 million dollars and then go straight to streaming uh i like the way that Raphael said that that it's it's wiped out billions of dollars and that is absolutely true for those of us that have been chronicling the numbers side of things it seems like artistic and commercial suicide and yet nothing seems to change uh there's a lot here to think about a lot to take away but i hope the important ones are to support your local cinemas if you're close to a limley of course support a limley theater uh i'm as you, you heard in the interview like i'm so far from california but when i am in california i gotta go check out a limley theater because uh, i have so much respect for for greg and what he's doing and his uh his belief and support in the arts there are movies that would not have academy awards or even academy award nominations if they hadn't premiered in a limley where they were able to be eligible for that in the first place Uh, it's a great it's a great thing it's a really great thing so support the documentary uh see it in a theater if you can because hey that's what the whole message is about if you can't uh this dvd is an incredible uh an incredible artifact for your shelf an incredible piece of physical media it's physical media is as important as the movies themselves because it keeps things going it keeps them preserved uh again thanks to you guys thanks to kino lorber thanks to Raphael and to greg i really appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation we're going to have another conversation like this very soon stay tuned i appreciate you guys take care Till next time i will catch you later